Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. 10% of the borrowers in the world use debt to get richer. 90% use debt to get poorer. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew, who I happen to know is one of that 10% with all them rental properties you got, right? Woo! Boom. What are you drinking today, man? Well, I'm actually drinking two things. One... Double uh, fisting it. I'm, du- I'm double fisting it. You pouring them at the same time? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you were in New York, and we wanted to make sure that you felt like you were in your natural habitat. So <laughs> we, we got some La Croix, and mm. I've been cleaning my palate with it today. You know, it's, it's Thanks, actually really sir. good. This is the first I've ever had. We got yeah, you. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? We, we know you're fancy, so we got you Pina Frase uh, La Croix. <laughs> So fancy. <laughs> it is the fanciest lacrosse. Um Oh yes. I believe it's the same price as all the other ones, but anyways, <laughs> what I'm what I'm really drinking is a GABF gold medal gold medal winner. <laughs> gold medal. <laughs> it's it's um I got the gold medal in the spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, well we got it. We got a bone up on our Russian. Um, but, but it's it's uh, called Boris the Crusher Oatmeal Imperial Stout from Hoppin' Frog. Okay, uh, they're they're from Ohio, and and I know that you've tasted some because um, our new friends Ken and Lauren from Ohio came to our meetup and and brought us yeah. beer. That was like the nicest thing ever, dude. That meetup was sick. I know, I mean, right? It, it snowstormed, and it was like all the things conspired to try to bring it down, and yet a ton of people showed up. Like, I was super happy with the turnout. Hopefully, everyone who actually came uh, was also happy with it. I mean, it was still unlimited beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I forgot that it was like a four-hour meetup, and then yeah. ended up going longer than that, so. It was a four-hour turned until, like, we were wasted meetup. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Good turnout, and I'm looking forward to doing more in the future. Um, Wait, did I possibly, say that this was possibly one in Denver eventually? Uh, when when Laura and I go there, there will absolutely be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I did I did shout out to Ken and Lauren right because yeah absolutely that was thank so... you for bringing that sick beer it was great. Uh, it was like dark and it tastes kind of like dragon's milk. This really this cool guy color. Ian drove up from Philly. That was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of Hoboken folk turned out, Jersey City folk. It was yeah. good. It was good. It was a good time. Yeah. So we'll definitely do more in the future. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all the pontificating we'll do on the meetup for this episode. Uh, we need more catchphrases. I yes. think I don't say that enough. Because today I, I stole a catchphrase from Robert Kiyosaki, which did, I don't know if you knew this, but Robert Kiyosaki was the author of the very first personal finance book I ever read. Really? Yep. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the one I started out with. You know? I still haven't read I heard it was amazing. Um, but I, I, I just, don't know if it's actually amazing. I don't like, like being older and more. Yeah. I don't know. Being older and more knowledgeable. I don't think it told, I'm not like, sure if Robert Kiyosaki is like the most, I, I don't know. People have like a lot of opinions about him. I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't think that you're learning a ton of specifics in it. But the man did create the board game, or at least his business <laughs> empire has created the board game Cashflow, which has forever separated the extreme nerds from just the average nerds. Oh, is that a Rich Dad game? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. What are we, we talking about? We have some different sludge bro. to get through today. Hmm. Uh, we are talking about possibly the most interesting and sexy thing to open a conversation with a new date with. Like if you're taking a girl out to a nice restaurant, right? Yeah. And you want to impress her. You want to make her think like you're an international man of mystery with a lot of really cool things going on, you know. This is Just before or after you open your pina frase lacroix. You open your pina frase lacroix and you pour a little bit into your Bordeaux mm. to show that you're just a little different, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I dig that. Little, little mystery. And then you hit her with this line, girl, let's talk about debt refinancing and boom and if the date doesn't immediately go back to her place after that we're, we're gonna spell out exactly how the conversation should go yeah debt refinancing options i mean you're sitting around a nice meal 
perfectly cooked steak, nice glass of wine. I was going to say preferably steak. <laughs> you made me pause when I said whip out. <laughs> you planned that, didn't you? You whip out your chart comparing all the debt consolidation options across the market today. And you're like, look at these variable rate comparisons. Look at these terms. We got eligibility criteria, all the stuff. And you pull and it like, out of your oh. breast pocket because you don't sit on this shit. You keep it close to your heart. You keep it You keep it folded up in your silk pocket square mm. because every legit guy has got to have a silk pocket square with debt refinancing options folded up in it for easy and quick access. I feel like you're going to break out into a ballad or something soon. You just start like <laughs> singing. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was your idea. Mm. So this uh, scintillating discussion topic – um, why, why talk about it? So, uh, I think that, uh, one people like we're going to, we're going to go into like why you should refinance a loan. Actually, I, I won't give it like eight seconds. You should refinance a loan because it will save you money, right? Yeah. We talked about it in depth, but if this is your first episode. It'll save you money. That's true. Look to if other you're listening ones. To this episode, I'm sure that like the past five minutes have convinced you that you should just shut the podcast off forever. Exactly. But seriously. Uh, this is what number three or four? I think it's four actually, in a month-long series we've been doing on three or getting four. out of debt. D- depends, depends uh, what the decider decides. But the, the, the yeah. What, so what, we did talk about this in like an episode earlier. The reason I want to talk about this is because there are people, and the intentions are great. You know, like Dave Ramsey has lifted yeah. an numerous like tons of people out of debt and helped them and taught them, and and it's great. But there's like this irrational fear with debt when yeah, yeah. it is just math and just numbers and it's really not that complicated. And mm-hmm. I, I like the quote in the beginning because the the ninety percent of the people that are listening to him are or well, I mean, they're probably they probably have no debt or they're escaping it, but they're definitely not using it to their benefit. And if you heard our real estate uh series, you know intimately well that you could take cheap money and earn an enormous amount on that cheap money. And so yeah. any good refinance conversation, I believe, should talk a, a bit more of the breadth of that topic. Sure. Yeah, I mean, to make this clear, refinancing your debt, in most cases, is not going to make you money. Like, you're not going to be... It's not like buying a rental property and going into debt with the mortgage because you're making extra on the rent you know it's not like a making money option but and this is what we established in the previous episodes in this series if you have a high interest rate loan uh you know say like a credit card loan that's the big one because you're probably paying 20 percent interest mm-hmm. or even something like a student loan that's like seven or eight percent if you can refinance that loan which basically for anybody who's you know and i want i want to I want to be obvious sometimes because sometimes you guys, like you and the guests talk about things I don't know about. Mm. Um, if you refinancing basically means you get a new loan at a lower interest rate and that loan pays off the previous one. Yeah. So you have a student loan at 10% or something and Mr. Moneybags over at Lending Club is like, all right, bam, zapped that student loan. It is gone now and you now owe me the exact same amount of money but only at 5%. Mm. You know, Now you're you're losing less money and you're going to pay it off faster. Mm-hmm. because you either could pay the same amount of principal but with less interest or you could actually pay more principal because there's less interest to pay. Either exactly. way, refinancing makes sense in certain cases. So and one thing we established with refinancing is um, refinancing only makes sense if you have a loan that you – like a refinance option where you can get a significantly lower percentage interest rate than what you currently have. Um, and you have to do your research – which we've done a lot of it for you here, but you do need to read the fine print because with a lot of these companies, uh, let's use Lending Club for an example, you'll find that they're offering you maybe a loan at you know 3.5% interest and say you have like a 4.5% interest loan that you're looking to refinance. Okay, it's a 1% difference, seems good, except for the fact that with Lending Club, there is an origination fee. And it's not expressed in terms of a percentage, but let's just say, you are taking a $10,000 loan out from Lending Club and there's an origination fee of 200 bucks. Mm. That's 2%. Yeah. So basically you're adding 2% onto the interest rate 
and that already eclipses your current interest rate on your current loan. So make sure you add up any fees, origination fees, plus the interest rate of the loan you're looking at and make sure that it still makes sense. But I want to want to take a step back. I want to take a step like way back and we're going to we're going to bring it all the way forward. Um and then hopefully we're we're going to all understand like more about this because mm. you you were mentioning student loan debt. Um yeah. I view student loan debt similarly to how you might view uh, a mortgage on a rental property. Um if you are smart about like what you go to what what you spend your student loan for, right? Like if you spend your student loan for mm. basket weaving, chances are the return will be negative. My basket weaving skills are going to take me to the top, well, my I, friend. What? Why go to college for basket weaving? I just do what I did. Is when it's gonna Join really the Boy take Scouts. Off. You get the merit badge, and if there's a zombie apocalypse, I will make your baskets. I'm just saying. That's but, true. So and I'll kill the zombies. Damn right. Tall people do that shit. My hands yeah. are too soft to kill zombies. Well, I got the reach, you know. <laughs> so, okay, I want to talk about inflation. Um, now, like generally, okay. when you hear inflation, and we'll just say numbers, then we'll then we're gonna explain. Uh, generally, like the rule of thumb was like it's three percent. Right. That that was before um, this whole crash of two thousand eight that we'll probably talk about till the end of time. Since then. It's been, on average, about 2%. Um, and there'll be a link in the show notes where it's like shows the yearly average. Mm-hmm. Um, in some years, it's really low. In some years, it's high. And, you know, it's just like the stock market. We talk about averages. Let's not talk about year to year. So inf- yeah. let's assume inflation. And, and actually, the federal, uh, uh, the central bank uh, has said that um, that's their goal is to keep it at 2%. So 2% inflation is the ideal normal. Um, and so, uh, why did, what, do you know why that matters, Thomas? Well, I mean, at a fundamental level, your buying power is going down. You know, the buying power of every dollar you have goes down every year. If, I mean, it goes down every year regardless, but if you don't have it invested or if you have debt, then inflation is always working against you because it's like a weight so that's further dragging down your money. That's the and this is like where it's going to get confusing, but if if you have savings and your money is inflating, you're losing money, right? Yeah. Because the amount that you have is worth less. And and mm-hmm. to, to give an example, uh yeah, so so it's worth less. However, if you have debt and there is inflation, your debt is worth less, so it's actually cheaper. Yeah. And and to make it more confusing, let's. It is it is assuming that your uh, earnings match inflation. So, right, so your earnings have you to know. at least keep pace with it. Um, at least keep pace with inflation. So you need to get at least a two percent raise a year, which is very small. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and I mean, if you don't like, that means you're making less in the next year. So that's something that you have to talk to your, your people about. But yeah. The whole thing with the, uh, you know, debt becoming worth less is more of a thing for the person who owns the debt. Right. Uh, you know, on your side, if you have debt, as long as the increase in your salary can match inflation and ideally it would, it would increase at a normal rate for your skill level and experience plus something for inflation, then it would become easier to pay off debt as long as you have like a fixed interest rate and so, all that. Right. So, you know? so if, the inflation was 2% and you were given a raise every year of 2%, your debt cost and amount would remain constant and so would your income, right? Yeah. Okay. Well. So so now let's talk about. No, I guess if, you, if your income is going up and pacing inflation, mm-hmm. you know, in that scenario, then your debt cost is kind of going down as a percentage of your income. You know, I made a hundred bucks a month this month and I have a $10 per month loan. Okay. 10% of my income is going to my debt. And next month inflation raised up 2% and my, I got the 2% raise. So I'm making $102, but my loan is still $10. So now less than 10% of my income is going towards my debt, you know? Yeah, actually. So the cost of your debt in terms of how much you're making and its percentage thereof is lower. Uh, so, um, to, to kind of 
provide like a way to describe how how it works. So if you had a dollar, or say a hundred dollars, and that hundred dollars, you know, you had it and it lasted you a year, it would be and, it, and the inflation was two percent. It would be worth a hundred and two dollars. But wait, what? I mean, you're not getting a hundred and two dollars, but that's like the new value of it because it's it's and this this is where it gets confusing is like say you had a like a one euro or a hundred euros or something right uh-huh and you could buy let's just make it really easy you have a hundred euros and you could buy a hundred dollars with it right and right. there's two percent inflation in the u.s and there's no inflation in europe in for the euro so now you can spend a hundred euros and get a hundred and two dollars because you've deflate right, like the purchasing power of everyone else relative to the dollar. Are, are you fu- okay? But the way you said it was, I have a hundred dollars at the beginning of the year, and at the end of that year, with two percent inflation, my hundred and my hundred dollars is now worth one hundred and two. Okay, so that's not the good way to word it. Okay, so tell me how you word it. Okay, what my hundred dollars could have bought at the beginning of the year, I yes. now need a hundred and two dollars to buy that same stuff. Yes. Yeah. So I still have a hundred dollars, and it's not really. There's, it's not really good for me to try to express it in terms of that $100 is now worth something. It's just now I need $100 to have the same buying power or $102 to have the same buying power that $100 would have got me last year. Okay, okay. You're, you're right. And and honestly, like it, it's confusing. Um, and, and that math doesn't is irrelevant to you. It, it, it All that math explains is why your great-grandpa was able to buy his first home for $10,000 and why you have to pay, you know, $150,000. It's just because yeah. of inflation. Um, because, and, and I'm sure you've read or heard about things like this. So, now, um, inflation is 2%, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's talk about the, the cost of of money so if you were to go to a bank and get a mortgage for a rental property or a student loan or whatever it is or you're going to refinance your debt um they're going to give you an interest rate three percent four percent five percent whatever it is that is the cost or, or you could say the opportunity cost of getting that money so if your rate's four percent and they loan you a hundred dollars, um, the you know when you're going to pay it back in a year, in exactly a year's time, that hundred dollars cost you four dollars, and it makes sense when you can take that hundred dollars and earn eight dollars, so you pay the bank four and you keep four, right? Okay. So you have the cost of money. And then like your your rate of return. So if your rate of return mm-hmm. was eight and the cost was four, you keep four. Eight right. minus four. Now, um, when you have something like credit card debt, there's no um, return, right? You bought a TV. That was just a waste to buy it on credit. You're, yeah. You're not getting anything. Um, however, uh, I think it's worth considering inflation in that. So if your interest rate was 18%, okay. And inflation is 2%, effectively your interest rate is 16%. Maybe. Right? So let's say um you have a student loan and it's 2% interest rate. Okay. So it's costing you 2%. Um but at the same time Inflation is 2%. It's effectively devaluing your money at the same amount it's costing you. Right. So so it's it's zero. Yes, okay. you yes you have to pay, right? But uh like Yeah, it, so paying it over time effective cost is zero. Mm. Though in, in that scenario you have to admit that paying the cost of whatever you were buying up front would have a negative cost under that, like, right? Wouldn't that be? I don't, I don't get you. You know, if you had a, if you paid, I don't know, if you took a ten thousand dollars student loan at two percent interest to pay for your tuition, mm-hmm. you know, inflation's two percent every year. Uh, assuming that your buying power matches the the rate of inflation, then yeah, you're you kind of eat that two percent 
that 2% is eaten up by inflation. You know, but if you would have just paid for that tuition outright, then you're not paying that 2% in the first place. Correct. Now, let, let's look at it um, from another perspective, right? Because there's one perspective, and which, which I agree with, which is don't go to college you know, unless you can pay for it or you could pay for it during college. Like getting into debt is stupid. But, mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's uh, many more fold stupid if you get into debt because you went to do basket weaving and you didn't become like, I don't know, a chemical engineer. Not that everyone has to become okay. a chemical engineer, but I think like it goes without saying that a return on an, uh, an education for a chemical engineer is going to be many fold higher than that of a basket weaver. Sure. Right. And in most cases, yeah. Let's say that, uh, you know, you could have went to my school, NGIT. It was like uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Super cheap state school. Um, you're not paying much. Let's say, let's say it costs mm-hmm. you 50K for your entire education to, to become a chemical engineer yeah. um, at, at the school that I went to. Now, the, the cost of the money, let's say it was 5%, right? And, and okay. you're, you're eating that for the four years that you're at school. I mean, technically. Now, by cost of money, you're mm-hmm. saying, you're, are you taking loans at 5%? Yeah. Let's say your, your loan is 5%. Okay. So you're paying all 50K in loans at 5%. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Okay. Now, when you get a job and, and then the rate of, you'll, you'll get a, a good salary because you're a chemical engineer and there are very few of them that exist. Mm-hmm. And then over time your salary is going to increase rapidly as you gain more experience. So you can look at the return of that 50K as like, you know, the yield as like your salary or or the difference in the salary over that of, you know, the person without a college education. Uh, So you're saying you look at the difference between your salary and somebody who didn't get a college education as a return? I mean, that's the or difference. Or you're saying like, you're saying, okay, so it's the spread between what I make versus what I pay and how much higher is that? I'm saying that it is to unfair to go. look at it as strictly cost because that okay. is not the case. It's an investment in yeah. your future earning ability. Okay. So let me get this straight. The entire point of this whole like inflation, everything example is to, is to show, is to showcase that. Uh, there are certain things where you are going into debt, but you are getting a marginally higher return. Well, hopefully not marginally higher. Hopefully, debt. hopefully much higher. But yes, like and yeah. and well, but, I, don't, I don't use marginally as like a, as like a small term. Just mm. like you know, um, you're making like you're paying, but you're making more. What so, what happens is uh, the the cost of money is is relative to to risk and how much it costs the bank to get the money. And so, you know, obviously you could go try and become a chemical engineer, fail, and owe money, you know, or this, I don't know, it could just not work out. But the point is, is uh, someone who's 10 years a chemical engineer and took student loans is making a lot of money, um, and it is because they were an intelligent investor when they were young. They invested in themselves, and the return outpaced the cost. Yeah. Okay. So, so cool. I wa- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying cool. <laughs> and I also found this cool college ROI table that shows the, uh, the ROI of several different majors so, or occupations. I mean, I guess, I guess we talked about it a lot and I, and I mean the, the whole, the whole point is I want to, uh, not, Give debt a bad name because I think in most cases oh, yeah. it's awesome. Now, if you're going to buy a TV, or you're, you're using a credit card and not paying it down. That's that's dumb. That's like the worst of the worst. Yeah, I I believe you should use debt to enable yourself to create more value than you can now. Mm. Like for me, that is the function of debt. Uh and then if, if you are going to decide to use debt to acquire a thing that will simply make, you know, maybe make your life a little happier, but will not, will not allow you to create additional monetary value, then you have a personal values decision to make on that. 
you know, mm. and that there are many different factors. You know, I can't staunchly say only use debt to create monetary value in excess of the debt's cost because I bought a car and I financed it, you know, but I made a conscious decision to do that because my friend could have used my car, which has enabled him to do many different things. And that's the car I wanted. And the interest rate is low and I could afford it. Bam. So, so you know, there's two angles. I want to go with this one. Let's talk about your car. What's the interest rate on your car? Two and a half percent. Two and a half percent. So yeah. after inflation, technically the cost of your car is half a percent, right? And then you were able to take the yeah. capital instead of putting it all in the car and you're able to put it in your business and making yourself more effective. So in terms sure. of having debt versus, you know, buying it outright because I guess that's, that's you know, what Dave Ramsey says to do. I think that you did um, a smart thing. Now... I know someone who went to college. So that's like one angle to look at. That, yeah, that that's like murky, I think. Why do you say? Be- because it's not something that allows me to create additional value. Hmm. You know, it's a car. Uh, I mean, I technically where I live, I basically need a car. But like the whatever extra I paid for it being a nice car, all that stuff, you know, a new car, um, that's not helping me create anything new. So I don't really know where I stand with like, Am I actually making myself more money by financing that debt and keeping more money that I could invest? I don't really know. Well, let, let's, let's talk question. about it like this. Let, let's say you were buying a TV and you yeah. didn't have the money to buy a TV and a TV is unnecessary, right? Right. Now, um, you could pay $2,000 for a TV and that would be that would be like punitive. That'd be like really expensive. Or you could pay $100 for a TV and you'd be like, well... I mean, it was only $100, like not a big deal. And so when it comes to the car, if your interest rate is effectively 0.5%, we can go on and on that, you know, was it useful or not? But I'm saying the cost is so low that it's probably not worth wasting your time discussing. Right now, now if you bought it on 18%, that's the worst. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I'm getting at because, and, and there's like, I guess, I guess the, a really a clearer way you could say it is, uh, what is the total interest cost that I have to pay to finance this car? Say it's like 1500 bucks. I don't know what the actual cost is, but say it's that, um, because of inflation, you could lower that by whatever the term of the loan Or maybe you could do instead of like 2.5% interest on the entire loan, you could say, all right, your effective cost is 0.5% of the loan. I'll tell you what, Thomas, uh, this conversation, the money for the car, you you are absolutely paying money for the car. But I will tell you that uh, this conversation is skewed based on my perspective. And I think that, okay, there are definitely people who are listening where it doesn't matter what the percentage interest rate is, if it costs two, three hundred dollars a month, like that is sinking their ship. Right. Right. Now, uh, imagine that you were at a point and money was not an object, right? Mm-hmm. It would come down to relative cost and, and benefit. And so, okay. um, for example, I have uh, a friend whose wife um, is a lawyer. She she has over a hundred or when she graduated had over one hundred fifty thousand dollars in student loans. Yeah. However, she also earns over two hundred thousand a year. I think it's over two hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You know, which is uh, at least four times the average household income in the U.S. Now that's yeah. a, that's a really high loan, but if she is diligent. She'll be able to pay that down and then far like grow wealth at such an extreme rate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense as long as, you know, philosophically you're okay with that. But yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, are you okay with the timeline from where you are now and looking out, you know, there's a point where the two cross where the ROI becomes positive. And if you're okay with waiting that amount of time, Bam. Good investment. I don't, I don't feel that you're sold. I feel like I've talked you into submission. <laughs> you haven't talked me into submission. I just feel like 
whatever argument we're making right now is not crystal clear. You know? So why do you say? Because we, we've been talking about going to college. We've been talking about buying a car, like two very different things. You know, making an investment to go to college, taking on a student loan. You're taking on a student loan to enable yourself to make more money. So it's exactly like buying, like taking on a mortgage to make more money. On a right? rental property, right. Exactly the same. If if you just, you know, people are weird and crazy and, and, and fuzzy and there's blurriness, but just say – it will cost me $50,000 to go to school and I will be able to make $100,000 a year instead of $60,000 a year or whatever, you know? Mm. So taking on this debt enables you to make more money. In that case, you can actually graph it out. You can say, all right, there is a point in time where the uh, additional value of my salary because I've made this investment will um, as a whole outweigh how much it cost. Mm. There's gonna be a crossing point. Your debt will be paid off. You're good to go. You're making more. You're now making a surplus over what you would have made, and you don't have to spend any of that paying back the debt. Positive investment. Now let's talk about your car. My car. How much was your car roughly? My car was like fourteen thousand dollars. Okay, let's say it was let's say it was fifteen thousand for easy. All right, fifteen thousand dollars. I could have plunked down fifteen thousand dollars of cash. Had no interest. Had no loan. Bam, the car is mine. How much did you put down? I financed it with zero down. So it's all being financed over the long term. But the thing is, that car is not generating me any money. So it's but, different. It's but, a whole but different But you have story. to look at the opportunity cost, Thomas. So that car is not generating any money. But let's assume that you absolutely needed that car because the other one exploded in a fiery accident or something. right? Let's assume sure. that the purchase had to happen. Yeah. And then you, you financed all of it. Now, and let's also assume... That that like to, to, for all things to be equal, you could have bought it outright or financed the whole thing. So if you have $2,000, what can you do with that $2,000? And if the effective rate of your car loan is 0.5%, you're going to have to be pretty terrible to, to not beat that. Yeah. You know what? I'm not, a, I'm not 100% sure about this. Uh, and, I remember and when I bought the car, I did. I actually like sat with my whiteboard for like an hour, running tables where it's like, all right, I don't pay for the car outright, and I put like that much money into an investment, Thomas. But then let's, I never invest what I pay um, for the car let's loan. Let's use amount my personal month. example. Um, so I bought my condo that I'm sitting in right now for six hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I put twenty percent down. Yeah. Um. On a mortgage. Now, uh, so that that was I think it came out to be roughly. Actually, let's just use a calculator. How much is that? I think it was one hundred thirty something. I put down. Six fifty times point two. Yeah, one hundred thirty. I, I was thinking one hundred thirty six, maybe with closing costs and shit. So, I put down one hundred thirty six thousand dollars into this place, and I'm paying <clears throat> as a result of the mortgage and homeowner association thirty two hundred dollars a month. For this place, right? However, I could go to the place next door, not buy it, rent it for the same amount, and keep my $136,000 yeah. and invest that money, right? Now, the cost, and, and I'm going to go out and say that it, in terms of like building wealth, buying this place is, was a really, really stupid idea because yeah. my cost will be the same no matter what. Like you will still need to drive a car and there will be some costs associated with that. However, when you have X dollars that's not going into an asset and just gone, you can then deploy that in any number of ways. You could put $2,000. That could go sit into Fundrise and you could earn 10%. That could go into Lending Corp. Sure, okay. Betterment, whatever, right? Yeah, so, so I guess it's like you're, you could invest that money and you get the car and so you're making... You know, you're not making the seven percent. You're making the seven percent you'd get in the market, like minus your interest rate. You know, so now you have the car and you're making money. It, if you I wanted suppose. it to be an income generating asset, you could have put no money down, pay basically no interest, and then be an Uber driver, and and you're basically making money with no investment. Yeah. Right? So so like 
well, and, that's my time. But, yeah. Right, but but <laughs> but you get what I'm saying is like I, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to uh, color the perspective that um, when when like you do the math, you know, when you approach debt like an investor, debt is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Did did I talk you into submission yet? <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, um, at like a surface level, it makes sense to me. But these are, this is one of those concepts where it's like without a few hours to sit down and look at a spreadsheet, it's hard for me to come to a concrete conclusion and say something like, if I have the money for a car, it's actually still smarter for me to finance it because I can then invest the print what I had you know, and make money on the spread. At a surface level, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It seems to make sense. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's counterintuitive because you're still going into debt for something. So I would want to throw it into a spreadsheet and see it. But like at its surface conceptual level, yes, it makes sense. Damn it. Fair enough. Fine. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to see the numbers, Andrew. That's why I have that ridiculous spreadsheet for all my stuff. You know, I I, I had a name for this episode. I feel like the name is completely changed. Yeah, this- we were going to talk about like a, a grid of debt refinancing options. Uh, and we ended up spending the entire episode talking about just like the spread. Um, I mean, do you still want it to be about debt refinancing? We can talk about that. Do, do you think this was? Good? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was philosophical as all hell. I can tell you that, you know, hmm. I mean, we can talk about. We can talk about these these debt refinancing options here. You know, let's talk about some debt refinancing options. You, All right. They can have their cake and eat it too because we already, yeah, we already exactly. did the prep. So, look, whether you agree with me or or you agree with Thomas that you need to go home and do a spreadsheet on this, um, and, and if it doesn't work out, email me. Email me hate mail. Um, <laughs> it, the fact remains that you're, it is always better to have the, the cost of your debt reduced. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why we needed to have a long discussion about inflation and and like the philosophy of going into debt versus not for something that creates value but <laughs> it made, it made sense when debt, i was in the shower <laughs> those dude shower thoughts are great but they're like the thoughts of a high person like you have to kind of piece them together a little bit afterwards my shower thoughts are always just a jumble anyway uh let's run through this mm. so if you have debt and you've got a certain interest rate refinancing it can basically give you the same exact loan but at a lower interest rate that's the high level concept here um refinancing is something that you need to make a very conscious and researched decision before you do for instance if you have federal student loans those loans have protections on them you always have the option of deferring your loans if you need to um you know, assuming you meet the criteria, you will have the option of going onto a pay as you earn plan. And there's like four or five of those. So if you're on the standard repayment plan and it's a certain amount of money per month and you just can't do it, you can be like, yo, uncle Sam, I need to pay less. And they're like, all right, you'll pay less now and you'll pay more as you make more money in the future as you probably will. Mm. That's a thing you can do. There's a lot of protections here. So if you go down to uncle Jimmy's bank on the corner of first and federal or something. And you're like, Hey, I don't like my student loan. It's 15 or it's 5% interest. Can you give me a loan for 3.5? Uh, and you'll refinance it. And he's like, sure, I can do that for you, but there's no protections. If you default on that loan, we're going to break your ankles. Like (laughs) you can technically save money on that, but are you willing to give up those protections? If you lose your job tomorrow, the government's going to work with you. Uncle Jimmy's not. Mm. So, Think about that. Um, now, a lot of the new student loan refinancing and other debt refinancing companies that are coming into the marketplace to be competitive, they are adding protections. So the one we've talked about the most on this podcast is SoFi. Mm. And uh, SoFi is great. They have pretty low loan rates. Um, obviously, the variable rate, you're going to get a lower percentage interest than with a fixed rate. And the thing that they do is they are very invested in the success of their clients. So they're also very selective. So you do have to have like a a certain minimum credit score and they do look at the area you're in, like the industry, all these kind of things. Their underwriting process is pretty strict. 
But if you meet their criteria and say you lose your job, they'll actually try to help you find a new job and they can actually pause your loan payments for a while, mm. which is nice. They actually so have people that will help you find a job. Um, yeah. There. So that, that's pretty sweet. And I think when we interviewed them, they said that the whole concept of SoFi had started as a something at their university or their alma mater mm-hmm. as like something to help fellow graduates. And now it's spread out. Uh, it was originally just for student loan refinancing. Now I think they do all kinds of refinancing. They, they literally do everything. I'm pretty sure they also have a robo advisor. I mean, yes. You who, borrow, doesn't, who doesn't have a robo wealth advisor? management? They're, they're doing everything now. So mm-hmm. it's, they have a lot of different stuff there. Um, and you know, just to tell you guys this up front, we're going to go through a little bit of these things. Uh, we have two different resources where there's a lot of data you can look at studentloanhero.com and uh, nerdwallet.com both have charts where you can basically compare all of the major debt refinancing options out there. So the student loan hero one is as it sounds for student loans and uh, the nerd wallet one is for other types of debt basically. Mm. Um, but I mean you can do, you can, you can do uh, like SoFi even for not student loans. So, you know, yeah, so you I could do SoFi that. for personal loans. They actually will do mortgages. Um, yeah, because I'm looking here at this this Nerd Wallet one, and at least with the ones you showed me, uh, you know, it's like upstart here is the estimated APR is 13.5 to 17.5 percent. That's not a whole lot lower than what you're gonna get with uh, Ch- change the credit score ranking on the left. Um, oh, okay. So if I said it's a good, so, okay, okay, so there's good, a reason why SoFi pops up. If I have excellent prosper, pop, okay, gotcha. So, so I had it at average. Yeah. So, so this is, uh, like two oh resources for two separate things. So one student loan specifically, yeah. and then, um, the nerd wall one, and, and there'll be a link in the show notes is for, um, if you have like credit card debt or miscellaneous debt, uh, you know, Dude, refinancing. What? I mean, I know at the beginning of this month we said that your credit score is important, but I I had never actually seen like this tool gives you the ability to see what the percentage rate on a loan you're going to be able to get based on your score is. Hmm. Damn. You know, it's, I mean, at least according to here, if you're between six thirty and six eighty nine, the lowest you're going to get is like thirteen and a half percent. But if and- you have over seven twenty, you can get like six percent. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, you could actually get you could if you have like an amazing credit score, uh, you could definitely get lower than their advertising for Lending Club. Like you can go to their yeah. site and see it's. I mean, I, I'll go out on a limb and say they're they're incentivized to show some maybe a little higher. Uh, okay, but the fact remains that yeah, if you have a good credit score, uh, every like your life is just cheaper. But yeah, this is good here. This nerd wallet thing is very good. Because if you open the details for any of these loan options, you can see what's the minimum credit score required to apply, uh, what's the minimum gross income. So if you you know there, if you want to do this, you may have an income requirement that you're going to have to hit, uh, credit history, length, that kind of thing. The other thing is it's going to show you what the origination fee is. So here with Prosper, it says origination fee, 1% to 5% of the loan amount, depending on what your quote-unquote Prosper grade is. Mm. Uh Compare that to SoFi, where there's no origination fee. So, I mean, with SoFi, again, it's a high-income kind of thing. Um, it's kind of weird because it says here on the Student Loan Hero one, there's no minimum income requirement. I'm guessing that means there's no minimum published income requirement, so they mm. put that there. But, I mean, we talked You know them. they take that into account. They, they did say that income was a pretty big factor for them, and they have a pretty uh, – strict underwriting process and i think i talked to uh i think i talked to common bond mm. or, or earnest one of the two i think oh, i might have been earnest i talked to them at fincon and i emailed back and forth with them a little bit and they did say that uh, their underwriting process was a little less strict than sofi's mm. so that's something to think about but yeah it's, it's good to see that that origination fee you know those kind of things there you got to add that in do the math and I Make think sure it's it's like uh, really important to just oh look we we could say the rates and I think that'll make that'll make for an excellent radio show. Oh man, where we just like spout percentages you. like without stopping like two point three two to six point eight one eight percent or two point oh nine to five point seven two percent. Can I get one point nine? It's a one point nine. Go once, go twice. Can I get two point eight on this one right here? So look, like instead of doing that, yeah. go to the links. 
uh, yeah. because the cost is going to be minimal and it's going to reduce the the monthly cost of your loan. You know what, Andrew? I think mm. your philosophizing, yeah, uh, to make up a word, was good for this episode because I think these tables of consolidation options are good information that we should share with people. Mm -hmm. You know, I want people to have that available to them. But like you said, going through a table of rates that are probably not even going to be exactly the same 20 minutes from now is not a good podcast (laughs) topic to go over. So, uh, yeah, we'll let people know these are resources you can check out. We'll have them linked up in the show notes. Um, Maybe in the future we'll have our own cool tool or something. I don't know. Mm. I'll just pile coding challenges onto Andrew and tell you. (laughs) And I'll just say, we're doing it in year 2020. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But these are very helpful to use. Check them out if you want to refinance. Um, You know, I I just wanted to to communicate the benefits and the reason why you would want to think about refinancing Mm. and also talk about some of the considerations and some of the potential pitfalls that you run into when you do it. You know, it's a thing. Um, so I, I is there def- anything else like any, any common questions we get about refinancing things that we should mention? Before uh, we- so next episode is going to be a debt focused five questions. Um, some okay. of them are, are awesome. And I've been trying to hold back and not not bring them up inadvertently. But one of the things I do want to talk about is fixed versus variable. Oh, OK. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, variables always scared me mm. because you never know. Like, what does what does that mean? Like, can they just randomly increase my interest rate whenever they want? You know, I mean, I mean, there are terms like in, okay. in it'll stay fixed for the X first years. Maybe it's just one year. Maybe it's seven or whatever. And then every X years they could change it. Um, and there's usually caps. Is bottoms. there data out there? And I don't know if we could find data specific to the individual uh, loan providers, but is there data out there showing like what is smarter to go with on aggregate between fixed and variable? Because variable is always lower than fixed, at least at the end of like the low end of the range. Hmm. So but does I, it usually end up being lower? I did an analysis uh, like a year or so ago on, okay. on specifically on mortgages, but. It, it functions the same for student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you look at a 5-1 arm where the first five years the the rate is fixed and then every year it could change, or a 7-1 arm, which the first seven years is fixed, if the interest rate difference between fixed and variable is 1% or more, meaning that mm-hmm. you know the, va- the variable will obviously be cheaper. So if it's 1% difference between the fixed or more and... If you pay the loan as if you got a fixed rate, so you will it, it will always make sense to pick the variable rate in in like even the most worst case scenarios because there's a ceiling on how much it can go up a year, um, and uh, you will have made so much progress in the first okay. few months. I mean, first few years, uh, and it really won't matter, and you won't even have that much principal left. Yeah. So. I guess you could also look at the, um, like you can you can kind of gauge where interest rates in general are going in the market, right? I mean, like kind of based on what the, the Fed is doing and all kinds of stuff like that. I usually I usually go to Nostradamus for that. Okay, kind of information like, like the old man. <clears throat> look for the past like almost. Or is two there years, a site called Nostradamus? Nostradamus hyphen interest rates dot com. Let me just check that, that out. That oh, a it's a it's a porn site. That's surprising. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were serious, man. Yeah. Come on. Oh wow, that's that's some that's a really kinky porn site. It looks like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they're holding bills over. Anyways, uh, but no, like I mean, if if you know interest rates are going to go down, then maybe it's smarter to get a variable, or if you know they're going to go up, maybe it's smarter to lock in a fix. Almost, you know, and I don't, the- I don't obviously not expert on this but dude for almost the past two years uh they've been saying that interest rates have been go gonna are gonna go up and the fed's gonna raise it and mm-hmm. they they didn't for like the longest time they eventually did and now everyone's okay. like it's gonna go up like crazy and whatever and blah blah and it may i don't know um but i i, I would i would sooner 
my rental properties are fixed because they're an investment. I don't want the cost to go up. My home okay. that I live in is a 7-1 arm because in seven years, who knows if I want to live here anymore. I'm probably going to need a bigger place if I have kids. What's an arm? So and what, 7-1 arm, what Adjustable that mean? rate mortgage. And so the 7 means okay. how many years the rate is fixed at when you sign. And okay. then the 1 is how the... the um, frequency at which it will change so it will change once every year so if it was a seven two arm it'd be fixed for the first seven years and then change every two years okay so and is it still a 30 year mortgage altogether or like is there is there a specified uh term you know until yeah, you yeah, yeah. the entire it's, thing it's yeah it's 30 years okay so basically you have seven years of fixed interest rate and then Every year after that, for the next 23 years, they can change the interest rate. Mm-hmm. That's what you're telling me. Okay. And basically, things are going to be so different in seven years. Hoboken, for example, appreciates like insanely quickly. Um, Hoboken's going to be nothing but like moms of teenagers in seven years. And it'll be like five feet underwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I'll, see, I'll see when I get there. But um, we saved an enormous amount of money uh, okay. as a result. Gotcha. Mm. All right. So um, once again, if you want to see this, these two grids of refinancing options, one for student loans, one for any other kind of debt, we're going to have them linked up in the show notes. So you can go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash show and you'll be able to find this episode. Additionally, you know, if you've ever thought to yourself, I just need a giant page full of apps that I could try out and books that I could read and other that. tools that could make my life Better than I ever imagined. Where can I go for without that? Without any hyperbole at all. Did you Where make that, I Thomas? Go? Oh, man, I may have. And you can find it over at our toolbox, which is full of like hammers and saws and like those strings with chalk on them. Mm-hmm. So you can make sure your pictures hang right. Oh. All sorts of cool stuff. And that's over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. In addition to all the hammers and chalk strings, you'll find apps and books and things that can save you money. So check them out. And that is all we've got for this episode. So until next week, we will see you later. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 